2: AV rep community. It's Adam Scalina, And today I'm introducing the show myself. Matt is not here. He can't be here with us today, but we wish him well wherever he is. No idea. Um, So this is a great conversation. I'm I'm super excited. This is a conversation that Matt and I had earlier this month. It's a version of the chat that we gave at the Vancouver Real Estate Investment Summit, um, but it's a lot longer. We talked at the summit for 15 minutes This is about 45 minutes talking about the market and talking mostly about what you're going to be hearing in the market, what we know to be true on the ground. And then of course, we're going to wrap up with what we like, some of the opportunities in the city of Vancouver upcoming. So this is a very exciting chat. But before we get to that, a quick shout out to our sponsor, Oakland Realty. Love this place. It's the best brokerage in the business. Um, If you are an agent, a seasoned agent or a new agent, and you're looking for a change, why don't you reach out to Oakland Realty? The best way to do that is to head over to com slash join, put in the code VRP2020, and there is a huge incentive for you as a listener to this podcast. So definitely check that out. Again, it's vrp2020 at Oakwin.com slash join. And finally, I just want to mention our Sellers Club. We've had so many people sign up. If you want to be a member of the most exclusive club in Vancouver Real Estate, the Seller's Club, where you get the best resources, action plans, checklists for marketing your home in the greater Vancouver area. Just send us an email to info at Vancouver Real Estate Podcast.com and put Seller's Club in the subject line. We will be sure to send you out some of our action plans, how to get your home ready for market in Vancouver, and there are new resources coming all the time. So get on that list. And without further ado, my chat with the Mel Carton kid himself, Matt Scalina. Okay, guys. So this is a take on a talk we actually gave at the Vancouver Real Estate Summit a few weeks back. That's right. Um, and and so what we're talking about today is what's really happening in the Vancouver real estate market. And just as a quick overview before we get to it, we're going to talk about what you're hearing. So what you're actually hearing out there Um, about the market and about the potential directions the market could go. Then we're going to talk about what we know, what we're seeing on the ground, what's actually happening, and then we'll follow up with what we like. So some opportunities in the market. Yeah,
1: and it's a really interesting moment, of course, Adam. Uh, We are in a summer that is much busier than most people thought. Right. I mean, we'll get into the June numbers, but uh, July has been busy. There's no doubt about it. And yet... You know, we had Eric Bond on from the CMHC a couple weeks back, who's uh, predicting a slowdown in the fall and a, and a real slowdown in 2021. Um, we're seeing cases here kind of stagnant, but other places in the country and, and the U.S. Uh, growing. So really uncertain times. And I think this is a, is a useful way to, to kind of think about the real estate market right now.
2: Yeah. So, uh, Matt, why don't we start with what you are hearing about the market conditions? So one thing you are hearing right now is a market set to collapse. I
1: feel like depending on what channels you're looking at, you're maybe hearing this all the time. This is the one- There's certain channels you've been hearing this for years. The one consistent thing that's that's said about Vancouver real estate is it's always set to collapse. Um, So in in this case, of course, uh, we're directly referencing uh, Eric Bond's talk on this show uh, from CMHC and also Evan Sidel CMHC's uh, CEO went in front of uh, in front of Parliament and gave a pretty dire warning a couple months back as well of course Evan Sidel was saying across the country we're going to see nine to eighteen percent declines Eric Bond came on and basically said the same thing about Vancouver. Uh, So we're hearing there's big declines coming. 2020 uh, is actually not so much. 2021 is more significant with a rebound in 2022. And you're also hearing, uh, and this was also from this podcast, that Vancouver is the most indebted city in the country, which leaves us uh, in a position uh, that some would say is vulnerable.
2: Yeah, yeah. When, uh, when Kennedy Stewart is coming out and saying that uh, the city is broke and Eric Bond's coming out and saying everybody who lives in the city is broke, Yeah, <laughs> it, it reminds me of the first uh, 10 years of my adulthood. <laughs> 15 for me. <laughs> so that's what you're hearing, right? We're hearing
1: we're – in, we're in a position where we're going to see fairly significant market declines. But what do we know? Yeah. Okay, because like I like we talked about before, um, you know, predictions uh, of of huge market declines have largely fallen flat. Sure. in the past, so I think it's useful to kind of take a step back here. Let's let's move to what we know. Okay, right. on the ground conditions, July twenty twenty, and it's and it's useful, Adam. I think to take a step back and to think about where we were pre COVID. So we've talked. A lot on this show about the last kind of slowdown that we saw mid-2018 through mid-2019, which I would argue, and I think most people would now, uh, A, was not nearly as bad as most people thought, and B, was policy-induced, right? This was... Uh, related to a bunch of provincial legislation, it was related to the uh, national stress test. Um, we saw significant declines in in certain sub markets, right, especially at the higher end, and not so much at the entry level. But we were really coming out of that, and and I feel like the last time we we did uh, opportunities in twenty twenty, we were in a very different moment pre COVID since about August 2019, the market was ramping up. It was getting busier and busier. In January and February, we were uh, basically running off our feet, right? 2020 was set to be a a, a banner year for sure. It's worth noting, uh, back in February 2020, inventory was down over 20% less than February 2019. So, what we were seeing was a lot of multiple offers, a lot of people that were uh, struggling to find a property that would work, a
2: lot of urgency in the market. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah that, that summarizes it.
1: And then, of course, the second week of March hit.
2: Yeah. Now, what do you
1: remember about that week?
2: I, I remember thinking this is a big issue in Asian countries. I remember thinking this is a big issue in Italy and i was like well do 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 like not nothing is impacting vancouver and then instantly it seemed to start to to change right well i'm one of these guys who's revising
1: my memory and uh, i was thinking late 2019, that this was going to be an issue. I've talked to like 10 people now that are are remembering themselves as the
2: guys who were sounding the alarm. I don't know if you're talking to those guys. You know what, though? I, I feel like even in the market, like I remember the last, the third week of March, there was multiples on everything, busy open houses. And I was already at that point Oh, yeah, you were uh, you know, panicking. Yeah, I was hiding under my bed and with sanitizer. And I, I actually remember going like, is this not nuts? Like, is this crazy? I was reading all the reports from like doctors in Italy and people that were shredded lungs and things yeah, like Yeah, that. yeah, yeah, exactly. And, I was, and, I, and it was just like, what's going on here? Right, right. Yeah, so
1: you I, I think you took it very seriously uh, starting in March. Yeah. Um, then what I forgot I- it existed in April. <laughs>
2: No, just kidding.
1: <laughs> no, but what uh what I remember um was we were actually set we were going to a Canucks Canucks Winnipeg Jets game. Yeah. That was gonna be unreal. My family was going on a vacation without me. Right. Uh which that at the was time gonna was be unreal. Gonna be unreal, like four <laughs> or five days. There was like that g- hockey game when they were gone and uh it, it was basically gonna be the week of the year. Uh <laughs> no, no family in a hockey game. <laughs> <laughs> And within <laughs> Wait, within like four, keep in mind you had had years of family time leading yes. up to that. Were yeah. the best years of your life. I know, and and actually, ever since we've just grown closer together. Yeah. In, in the small <laughs> in quarantine, in small quarters. But uh, but I, I remember it was like they were they were about to get on the plane on the Friday, and that week was as everything every day it was like moving so quickly. Right where. Um, yeah, by the end of the week, no one was going anywhere. The NHL was no longer, uh, nor was the NBA. And uh, life was over as we knew it. <laughs> life was over as we knew it,
2: right? So what happened at the market? You're right. You're right. I actually forget about, uh, just a side note. I've, I, It's like sports don't exist anymore, eh? It's crazy. And it, you know what's actually the crazy
1: part is I felt like I was following along very closely. And, With hockey, uh, yeah. I don't. I don't watch I, a lot of sports. But I don't I, really miss it, to be honest. Well, like, no, but it's that's weird. Like, a, that's the scary part for them, I think.
2: Well, yeah, but I, I think that's the thing is I without hearing about it on, like, the news or without hearing about it on, like, you know, on TV or, or like, an update, I just feel like sports are just – they just don't exist. Yeah, it's yeah. It's gone. Yeah, you know what? I wonder what TSN's
1: even playing. I think it's 30 30- – Thirty for thirty documentaries just on repeat.
2: Just that Jordan documentary on repeat.
1: Yeah, but okay. So enough about sports. Let's get back to the market. So you're you remember? And I think I remember talking. This was specifically East Van Detached, where yeah. uh, it seemed like there was some late open houses. It seemed like there was some late kind of crazy multiples. Sure, uh, but basically the market shut down. Right? So we, we went into what uh, other past guests have called a medically induced coma. Sure. <clears throat> the tap shut off, right? Yeah. April sales, uh, April 2020 sales were 63% below the 10 year average. Now, to give a sense of, of how dramatic that is, sure. th- that's the lowest number of sales since 1982, the year you graduated. Yeah, from university? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. That, but it, it's kind of incredible, right? That's almost 40 years ago. Uh, the one thing to note, and we've talked about on the show, was listings were pulled from the market. Everyone postponed. So listings were down almost equally as low, right? They were down 59.7% in April. So again, medically induced coma, we basically shut down entirely. The big question was... Uh, what does this look like yeah. when we when we emerge? And we've emerged, and we're and we're and we've we've been
2: busier than uh, I got to say busier than I was thinking. Uh, Dude, I was looking at a chart. I should pull that up and I should put it on the website because I was looking at a chart the other day and it literally looks like the letter V. Like a v-shaped recovery right like it's exactly what a lot of analysts suggested it uh, would well be. at least early on right it seems like yeah.
1: everyone was saying is it going to be a V is it gonna be an L and then is you know the most optimistic U? people were thinking V yeah. and at least a, right now in the real estate market it, it it seems that that's exactly what it is
2: yeah and I can I I can already feel the Bears reviewing us yeah <laughs>
1: Yeah, this isn't going to go over. This all isn't going to go over. <laughs> all. I know exactly. Um,
2: but, uh, but 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 we're talking about what we know, right? Yeah. Okay, we've already said what it's what not, you this hear. This is this is. I mean, I'd love to see some stats that show something else. <laughs>
1: yeah. So let's think. Let's talk about spring market being delayed. So May 2020, we saw sales increase. We saw sales increase, all, basically 34 percent over April 2020. Now again, April was the lowest number of sales since 1982. So uh, that's no big whoop but may we were still um definitely scared uh, you know that was when I went to Costco and felt very like I was uncomfortable. Yeah, <laughs> um, with how, how much bulk chocolate bars <laughs> you bought. That's what you were mostly uncomfortable <laughs> about. Yeah. <laughs> what, what is the person checking me out thinking right yeah, now? Exactly, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so May we saw an uptick. June we saw a dramatic uptick, right? Now this was when the, the thawing was happening. 64.5% over May. So May we saw 34% over April. June, we saw 60, basically 66% over May. Now, here's the, the interesting thing. June 2020 outperformed June 2019, okay, mm-hmm. by 20%, or nearly 20%, I should say. We, let's, sure. be, let's be specific, 17.6% over June 2019. So there's a couple things to note here. Everyone's going to remember June 2019, not a busy month right? That yep. was when we were, we were pretty slow. So that's not a huge deal, but considering what we came out of the fact that we're doing 20% in terms of sales volume over the year before, I think that's, uh, that, staggering. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's staggering. Is, yeah. We're in a pandemic. Come on. We're in a global pandemic here. Right. That, that is staggering. So again, there's a few, few kind of points to note here before we move on to, to the next, uh, but one we're still below the 10 year kind of uh, average sales volume, right? Sure. This is, so, you know, a, there's a lot to be optimistic about. Uh, there's a lot to kind of be surprised about right now. Uh, but we're still below, at least according to the June numbers, we're still below the 10-year sales average. And and prices have remained basically, well, in certain markets, they've, they've went up considerably. Uh, most, I would say, are, are basically static. Uh, over the last couple months, but it's of course worth noting that real estate uh, pricing is not like the stock market. It doesn't. Uh, it, it's not liquid like that. It doesn't drop and go up and drop and go up uh, day over day. There is a lag. So sure. if we're going to see any sort of price declines, um, you know, you would—it's going to take more than a month or two for that to play out. But I can tell you, with the sales volume going the way it is right now, um, you know, we're going to have to really see—we're going to have to see something change yeah. uh, for pricing to to start going down. And it takes months for that to, to occur. So Matt, what are we watching for then? What are we watching for in terms of, of getting a sense of the, of market direction? Yeah. there's three things we're watching: one, inventory levels. Okay, obviously, we're expecting inventory to kind of pop uh, once everybody got, uh, got got back outside and, and kind of fa- felt safe. Inventory levels are rising. There's no doubt about it. But we still, it's worth noting, have 23.7% fewer listings today than we did a year ago at this time. Sure. So there's less inventory today than than a year ago. Um That's one thing. So watch that inventory. If inventory starts growing over the coming months and it's not being absorbed, of course, that's when you see prices decline. Uh, We're not there yet. Unemployment. What happens, uh, especially in relation uh, to COVID benefits running out, when CERB runs out, when potential deferrals run Mm -hmm. out, um, it's going to be an interesting fall. And this makes me think of... um, Uh, the Moody Analytics episode we had not long ago where he literally tracks unemployment levels. Brendan Lacerda. Brendan Lacerda tracks unemployment levels in BC to Vancouver housing prices. So if you didn't hear that one, go back. But we're watching unemployment.
2: interesting calculation he uses. That's a great episode. Definitely go
1: back. That is is a great episode for sure. And last but not least, migration levels. Are we going to get back to uh, levels pre-COVID, and how long is that going to take, and what does that look like? Vancouver's a market that's buoyed by international migration, of course, and student uh, international students and the like, and what does that look like in the coming months? Those are the three kind of metrics we're watching for sure. Now, Adam, I just want to say in regards to the other uh, point that I made, so what you're hearing, right? You're hearing market collapse. Now, we just covered that. Here's what we Here's what you hear. Here's what we know as of right now, without any sort of predictions. Now, the other thing you hear is Vancouver uh, has the most indebted population in the country. Yeah. Now, the other thing uh, that you hear is Vancouver is the most indebted co- city in the country, right? That right. The people
2: walking around Vancouver with Gucci bags. Town actually- has the highest credit card declines in all of the country. This Maybe is- all of North America. That's probably true. Uh, that was an old Mike
1: Hofer story. Is that actually? That, is that, 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 well, that, I, to, I don't, don't know. Don't take that one to the bank yet. But uh, yeah. that was the story. <laughs> Mike take Hofer your credit used card to the bank and give past, it back to them. Past guest, yeah. fan favorite. <laughs> but uh, but okay, Vancouver has a very high uh, indebted uh, population. Here's what we know about deferrals. Quebec is deferring mortgages right now, close to thirty percent. Right. Ontario's deferring mortgages. Over 20%. Alberta's uh, deferring mortgages, 27%, I think. BC is These def- are high numbers. These are high numbers, It's like one-third right? of the population. One, you, you, literally, almost one-third of the population is saying, I am not paying my mortgage right now, or I cannot pay my mortgage right now. Exactly. Uh,
2: BC, 7%. See, and that's that's the difference. I I feel like BC the amount of money, the level of and, and wealth. It's, it's, yeah, there's a lot of wealth in this in this province for sure. And I and I think that's uh, that is a staggering statistic when you so, compare it to other regions in Canada. So it is an interesting thing to note that you're hearing things
1: like, "Hey." Uh, you know we're teetering, and uh, and then you look at the furls, and it's like, well, hey, we're actually we're more in line with uh, the Saskatchewans and Manitobas of the world mm-hmm. um, than we are with the Alberta, Ontario, and Quebecs
2: of the world. So uh, that's what you hear and what you know. But there's also other things you hear. Yeah, Matt, w- one thing that we're definitely hearing and what everyone will be hearing is that no one wants to live in cities anymore, they're petri dishes for disease, and that bedroom communities and resort towns are going to boom. And we've actually, we've talked about this on the podcast a lot lately, and there's truth to that, right? I mean, you hear anecdotally that um, people are are moving to Squamish or moving to Victoria or moving to Nanaimo, um, all over, right? There, There's... And, Anecdotally, clients of ours are actually yeah. Yeah, I feel like it's
1: like uh, stats or no stats. Um, I'm talking to a lot of people about communities that I didn't talk to people about very much before. Exactly. And is one of them. Like yeah. that to me is uh, is seems to come up almost daily right now. For sure,
2: for sure. And and here's here's what this is based on. It's based on one this notion that vertical living is now too dangerous. Right. Nobody wants to ride an elevator, push buttons. Um, there's buildings that have had outbreaks. It's, it's scary. Right. And you also don't want to be stuck in your condo or feel stuck in your condo. Two is that people can now work from home and they no longer need to commute. So. Or if commute can, like one or two days a week. Exactly. So now if you can, you know, get more space, get some land, go and mountain bike all day in Squamish or do mm-hmm. whatever you want. And all you have to do is drive into the city once or twice a week. That, that's manageable. Yeah, it sounds all right. <laughs> yeah, it does all right. I know, Actually, I'm like, I'm convincing, <laughs> what am I I'm selling myself. Uh, and three is that couples need more space to properly hide from each other. And this one's, you know, we're being facetious in some cases, not in yours. Uh, but I think, I think that I think that uh, one thing is for sure is that people have realized they've really gotten to know their space, right? And and they're finding that they need more of it. So that's that's what this idea is based on. And there's definitely some truth to this. In addition to our our anecdotal, this comments.
1: reminds me of the uh, the anti Dustin Woodhouse line from three or four years ago that the most expensive square footage is outside of your home. That was my quote from a
2: conversation I had. With oh, Dustin
1: oh Woodhouse. okay, okay. Yeah, I, sorry, <laughs> not Dustin Woodhouse. That was your brilliant your, line. Yeah, yeah. Brilliant, brilliant line. That was my by brilliant
2: the line. The most expensive square footage is outside your home. Yes, which is which is true. Yeah, um, that's why the city's broke. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, so number one, why why are we seeing some truth to this? Well, one sales activity in the Fraser Valley is up a hundred and thirteen percent since last month. Yeah, that's incredible. Thirty two percent from June of twenty nineteen. Um, Squamish is on a run right now, and and just. Make a note here: uh, Fraser Valley is outperforming Vancouver. Yeah, outperforming Vancouver. Yeah. yeah, and and Squamish right now. We've been bullish on Squamish for a long time. We talk about Squamish on this podcast ad nauseum. I feel like,
1: uh, yeah, if there's you're any, convincing if, yourself, if there's any boosters out there for Squamish, we should be
2: getting like paid. You uh, bought a you bought a mountain bike. You you've got Rock <laughs> Shocks. You've I don't even know if that's a thing anymore. Rock yeah, Shocks. Rock Shocks. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, here's the thing: you're potentially going to Squamish. Uh I love Squamish. It's up condos 4.7% last month, detached up 2.5%. It's on a run. It's it's on a run. Think think about 4.7% in in condos.
1: Like think back to 2017 where we were the market was just every month over month over month the prices were just totally different every month because they were rising so quickly. Right. Like 4.7% is is 2017 numbers in Vancouver.
2: Yeah, exactly, and and so you gotta kind of pause and ask yourself, well, you know, will Langley be the next Yale Town? That is, I feel like that's weird. the burning question. <laughs> the that everybody question
1: that we're all thinking about
2: <laughs> that person on the <laughs> treadmill. Well, wait, will Langley yeah. be the next Yale Town? Well, the, what we know is no, yeah, for sure. Maybe Fort Langley, yeah, <laughs> exactly. But um, I think that's
1: a Carisdale.
2: Is it? <laughs> So to recap, Matt, what you're going to hear is that bedroom communities and resort towns are going to boom. And that what you'll hear is that the city might suffer. Vertical living might suffer a bit. And what, what we actually know is that for the short term, there seems to be some truth to that. But what, what do we like? What we like
1: are cities. And we specifically like global cities. And we like cities like Vancouver. And there's no, no bias in this, in this room. Yeah, Think – all you have to do is look to history. And, and it's funny, when we we did the Zoom call, right, this was the one where we got a little bit of pushback. On, yeah, our, our and, I, and
2: I'm going to – and I, I've got a, an answer for that guy who went by his initials and not his full name. Coward. You know, if you're, if you're going <laughs> to chirp, put your full name down.
1: So, yeah, we weren't – I wasn't actually uh, – I'd never done a Zoom presentation where actually the room can co- make comments. So yeah. as you're talking, somebody's s- disagreeing with you.
2: They're just body-shaming In real you. time. And, and, yeah. yeah, they're the only – and you can't see anyone, although yeah. we could see yeah. everyone in this presentation. <laughs> so if you're there, yeah. nice bathroom.
1: <laughs> yeah. uh, okay. But, but all you got to do, again, is look to history. Now, it feels like this global pandemic is is brand new and it's never happened before, but let's look to history. 14th century bubonic plague hits Italy. Okay, Okay. Florence decimated 50% – of the population is wiped out. People were saying at the time, the city's dead, move to the countryside. It's a death wish. You know, it's like, it's like back in the 14th century when you went to a hospital, it was like a death wish. You you never
2: wanted to go. It's like that (laughs) Charles Bronson movie. Death wish. Yeah.
1: (laughs) (laughs) What happens almost immediately after? Well, Florence is the epicenter of the Renaissance. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I don't have to tell you more about the no No big whoops, said yeah. the Italians. <laughs> yeah. Let's go- move on to Philadelphia, 1793, hit by yellow fever, 10%. Now, this—10% of the city died, which in comparison is is not all that much, but that's that's a lot of people. Now, Thomas Jefferson himself, Adam, said—and this Philadelphia at this time was, was the largest city, sure. right? This was the— This was the epicenter. This was another epicenter. Philadelphia— was the largest city, Thomas Jefferson said, the one silver lining of 10% of the population dying is people won't want to be in cities. Cities are never going to grow in the United States like they had in Europe, and uh, and he saw that as a positive. What emerged shortly thereafter? Rockies 1 through 5.
2: <laughs> yeah, and, and a great movie called Philadelphia. <laughs> yeah, that is. <laughs> Very true. Yeah. Uh, last but not least, Matt, you've got one more I historical got one more. example. Now, this is, now, now I can't remember what the critique was. I think it was
1: that the internet wasn't. No, no, exist. no. We'll get to that. <laughs> we'll get to that critique. But
2: you got one more. The I got, 1918 got one more. Nineteen
1: eighteen flu pandemic. Now, John Barry was on the show. Best-selling New York Times best-selling author. That's right. John Barry literally wrote the book. On the 1918 uh, flu pandemic, he three four days ago just came out with an opinion piece in the New York Times uh, talking about how much worse uh, this can get. John Barry's everywhere right now. I think you heard also him. on our show. You heard him first on the Vancouver Real Estate Podcast. Lives in Louisiana. We asked John, "What do you what What do you think comes out of this? Based on what ha- occurred after the the flu pandemic in in a hundred years ago, basically, and um, what did John say?" The Roaring Twenties.
2: Yeah. Yeah. The uh, – what's that movie? The, the Great kinda, Gatsby. I think it was based on a book. I have, I have no <laughs> idea. <laughs> Never heard of it. <laughs> and, and, and the critique, Matt, was that this was the critique at the talk. And we didn't notice it until someone brought it up afterwards. Yeah. But the critique was – basically they didn't have technology at those time in the, in that time you idiots right yeah. something like that uh, yeah,
1: yeah i don't he, think he said you idiots no, i think he I,
2: said lol one he, of those like passive aggressive lols yeah, like and, i and said you know something what? i feel like now we, I'm we
1: might be demonstrating that we have very thin skin <laughs> more so than anything <laughs> we else didn't here not care
2: but the only thing is that, th- this was it was just funny because the point is not that they didn't have technology and we have technology now sure you can have a zoom meeting the point is that people like to mingle. people want to be out. I don't think Zoom is replacing human inter- interaction. No,
1: no, you have to socialize, right? I feel like that that's part of human nature is to socialize. That would be the, my our one comment on that. Sure. And the second one is and and Adam, we have a quote here from Gil Kelly, Vancouver's chief planner, past guest, uh, one of one of my favorite episodes of all time. but what he highlights, is that cities now, especially
2: because of technology, are actually more important than they've, than they've ever been. Yeah, and I'm just going to – I'm going to recite that quote because it's cities and metropolitan areas are the primary unit of change around the globe. It's no longer nations, provinces, states. The real power to innovate and where most wealth is generated is at the city and metropolitan level. Increasingly – and this is the best part. Increasingly, we are a global structure made up of cities. How true is that?
1: That's such a great a great quote, and I think that speaks to kind of um, the interconnectedness of our world in a way that this pandemic, as, as damaging and as dangerous and as life-altering as it is, uh, is not going to change.
2: Well, this is it. And, I mean, you can still talk about it being regional, but, I mean, even in terms of Vancouver, in terms of its industries, in terms of uh, how it kind of communicates with talent, we're more like Seattle or San Francisco than we are like Edmonton. Yeah, I would say. I would agree. Yeah. Cascadia. Cascadia, sure. Think, think Cascadia. But groups so, of cities that share certain qualities will be what happens moving forward, right? I think, I think that's, that's fair to say.
1: Yeah, and I think that was Gil, Gil Kelly's idea as well. So, Adam, we like cities, okay? Now let's
2: think about the city of Vancouver. What do we like specifically right now? So, Matt, we like, first of all, detached, and detached in the city of Vancouver right now is really, really heating up. It's going on a run. It's on a run. Um, And I think here's a couple of reasons why. First of all, it's the perfect middle ground for people that need more space, that have been, that want a yard now, but they still want to be close to the infrastructure that the city offers, right? Threads Uh, that needle. It does thread that needle, for sure. Two. The second reason why we like detached is that it's a diminishing supply. Say there's around 40,000 detached houses in the city of Vancouver. That supply amount is decreasing year over year. And like just to to give a sense, like my neighborhood, okay, so I live in Grandview.
1: Yes. A block from my house uh, on Venables, I've watched four, in one block, four duplexes be built on that block over the past year, right? So that means four single-family homes have disappeared and four duplexes have been built. A couple blocks over near Lord Nelson School, uh, there's been a land assembly and there's going to be uh, purpose-built rental built there. Mm-hmm. Those those houses are gone across the street from there. Ella. That was, a, that was a great project, Yep, uh, pre-sold, sold out. On the other side of Nanaimo, that's single-family homes disappearing. So if you want some examples
2: of just how quickly that, that supply is diminishing, um, there's some. Yeah, exactly. And and really, I mean, just drive around Vancouver as a whole and you'll see projects going or, on. Or all within over.
1: a block of my house.
2: Yeah, <laughs> specifically <laughs> your house. Um, you know, Matt, it's, it's hard to imagine that the half duplex is not going to become the new single-family home in the city limits of Vancouver, right? Uh, or the townhouse complex. Right. Um, because really, the reality is that we are, like, homes are getting demolished and redeveloped at a, at a very quick pace. Yeah. And, and there's not a huge supply to go through. Like, that's what people, like, it's a diminishing supply. Yeah. Like, that's the, that's the key here, right? Is there is already almost no inventory in the single family market right now, and we're losing that inventory as we speak. That's it.
1: I mean, it doesn't take rocket scientists to say you can't build more of this. Well, yeah, but we had a rocket
2: scientist <laughs> just say it now, <laughs> myself. Uh, okay, the third point, Matt, is that latent value and best use is increasing dramatically right now. The city of Vancouver has already indicated that density is a, is a key proponent here for um, for their, for their overall mandate of affordability. So we're actually seeing latent value increase. You can do more with single family lots. You can do more with heritage homes. You can do more with a lot. You can do more with RS1. You can build duplexes. So there's a lot of things going on right now. The value of the land and what, and the best use uh, is increasing. So that's a huge, huge factor. Yeah, latent value. Four is CMHC
1: agrees. This was uh, an interesting thing that came out of our talk with Eric Bond, um, the, the line, and I don't know if he came up with it on the spot, but it seems like a great line and maybe one that presumably they're talking about a lot at CMHC, that the single family market in Vancouver or the detached market is detached from
2: market conditions. That was profound. Was,
1: I was. I, I, I like that. I did.
2: I like that as well. He's a bright guy. Yeah. There's, there's no question. But it is. It feels detached in a lot of ways. He was saying the price points are detached from all of the metrics that they typically look but, at. Right. Yeah.
1: Well, I think he was saying the price points are detached. But he also, I my understanding of it was. Uh, that it's also detached from uh, their larger analysis. economic conditions, yeah. right? That the people that are buying detached, it's not uh, it's not a local person that's buying it based on what their annual income is. It's somebody who's either made a lot of money somewhere else or made a lot of money in past real estate in Vancouver.
2: Sure. Uh, but it's, it's a – It it's trades a, among wealthy people. That's right, yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and last but not least, Matt, this one is – what you're hearing as well out there um it's that like the no strata thing here's a couple strata has been in a lot of ways i mean stratas are still selling and we'll get to that but in a lot of ways right now it's become riskier to own a strata right you've got I feel like there hasn't been a lot of good news for stratas lately No exactly like the insurance thing that we've covered extensively on this program um the rising insurance premiums premiums went up between fifty and three hundred percent for stratas, which means your maintenance fee has probably gone up or it's probably going up when you renegotiate your insurance premium. It does it seems to be so kind of haphazard in terms of the buildings that are targeted for huge deductibles. It's, you yeah, can have like so a random. building that's five years old and it can have a two hundred fifty thousand dollar water. Well, deductible. there's
1: a building downtown that uh is twenty seventeen. Yeah. And it just went from like twenty-five grand to two hundred and fifty grand. And as we heard how, from how our many how many claims would they have made by now I do not I d I don't I can't imagine they've made that many water claims in sure. that building.
2: Yeah. And in the last and well, what we we actually the last time we talked to uh, one of our insurance brokers, he mentioned that a building had hit a one million dollar water deductible in Greater Vancouver. I'm guessing it's outside of the city of Vancouver. I don't actually know which building it is. <laughs> Um, he, he was pretty tight lipped about it, but anyways, apparently a building has a water deductible of $1 million. That,
1: yeah, that's incredible. I feel like also, uh, just with other things, uh, like tightening up on Airbnb, all sorts of bylaw changes, people that are, are, uh, not keen on following rules. uh, Right.
2: You know, They're it, sick of it.
1: Yeah. I feel like there's, there's kind of a sen- sentiment out there right now.
2: Yeah. And last but not least, of course, depreciation reports have been in place long enough now that I think uh, it, it's, it's, it's strange, but we're, we're, like, we're finally accepting that buildings, especially older buildings in BC, are severely underfunded in a lot of cases. Well, one thing that you hear all the time from people
1: from Ontario uh, is they come to Vancouver and go, whoa, what are you guys doing? First of all, yeah. What do they what do they call HOA fees? First but of all, they call it an had, HOA. But second they, of all, they go, why are your maintenance fees like a third of of what our and why do you have no fees? money in the bank? Yeah, yeah. And also,
2: and and why? And they've had reserve fund studies, our depreciation report for years, right? Yeah, for a lo- longer than us. And they do sure. a lot of stuff. Like they'll actually like levies are almost it's not the primary option, right? They would put it in the operating budget, or or they would have money in the bank for it, typically, right? It's kind um, of a different culture around uh we actually we kind of blew it with stratas in a lot of ways and then we got hammered with the leaky condo thing so a lot of stratas have just been beat up over time but it, it's not uncommon to go into an older building that's gonna need a lot of work and see fifty thousand dollars in the bank
1: yeah that's not uncommon and and, and strata fees at maybe like 43 cents a, uh, or, or a 39 foot. cents yeah. a foot which and you're like, is
2: huh. and that operating budget's tighter than secret skinny jeans <laughs>
1: But let's let's keep on this thing. No, sorry, we're, sorry, secret. I'm we're we're getting this, yeah. we're getting. Uh, it's cool that you wear those jeans. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> it's pretty cool. But okay, so we're we're talking detached. So stratas are also some people. It seems like there's a there's a general sense that if you can avoid it, uh, it's 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 a, a good thing to do. Let's talk about what's going
2: on in the market right now with Detach. Yeah. Like it's you've you've said it's busy, but how busy is it? So here's the thing, East Vancouver detached outperformed the entire market uh for detached last in the in the past year. It's up almost 8%, 7.9% in 1 year. Um we've in the last 6 months it's up 4% and uh it's still I mean multiples on almost everything and i'm writing on a lot of detached yeah. houses these days and it's, it's multiples i got one coming to market i'm excited for it yeah. it's uh it's it's a great market for sellers it's a not so great market for buyers in fact it is a horrible market for buyers. It's, it's, it's not always uncommon been to,
1: a challenging market. Buying a, a single family home is is never uh, a, a, an easy process in Vancouver, but it, but it's particularly challenging right now. It is, it is, and I'm talking
2: to a lot of agents. I mean, what about the can, west side? Talk, talk, yeah, talk, us about the west side. The west side actually is is on a, under four million dollars. It's a seller's market and a fairly aggressive seller's market. Yeah, up to four million bucks. Um and, and look at look at what the West side is actually doing right now too. And of course uh this the version of this document I have, um it's it's like basically covered. I think it's, it's up
1: it's up four percent in the it's last up three four, months,
2: I think, isn't it? Yeah, it's up four percent in the last six months, Matt. Um which is kind of crazy when you think about like we're, we're in a global pandemic, and in the last six months, we've got we've seen that market go up four percent. The West Side is so dramatically different than it was a year ago. Uh, it, it's, it's crazy. Yeah, it is. It is for sure. So to recap, Matt, uh, it feels like Detached is going on another run. It feels like inventory is going to remain low in that market. And it definitely is uh, increasing in terms of uh, capital gain at a quick pace. But it's not a fun Market to shop in. Just, no, just a warning.
1: But we still like it. Yeah, we, we like, like single family detached in Vancouver a lot. What do we? What do we also like though? So here's another market that we like, and and this, uh, it's worth noting. And we were talking about this before we we went on. Um, we're going to release this probably uh, a couple of days from now. Uh, and this might be totally different from what I I'm feel saying like right the now. The market is changing, is changing and so we wrote this fast. two weeks ago. In normal Vancouver real estate style, if it's more than a week old, it's totally out of date. But here's another thing we like: studios and one beds. So we talk about studios and one beds uh, all the time as as an investment vehicle of choice. Um, if you're looking to invest in Vancouver real estate, why? Uh,
2: Generally, they're very easy to rent. Yes. I would say the easiest type of property to rent. Couples can rent them. Singles can rent them. Downsizers can rent them. There's a lot of people that can rent them. Right. The highest rent per square foot. Yeah. Uh, exactly. uh Fewer operating headaches now. This will go uh, exactly against um, what we were just talking about with, with Stratus. But single-family homes have Very a lot of... easy, though, for, a, for someone to rent. Like, I mean, that's, that's the... That it's, it's a lot harder to rent multiple suites in a house, right?
1: Well, yeah, there's a lot of moving parts, right? Sure. Yeah, I feel like you buy you buy uh, uh, a one-bedroom condo in a concrete building downtown, you don't have to worry about anything. Yeah. I mean, you literally... Set it and forget it. You literally... Uh, I, now... Depending on what type of person you are, you might want to go to the AGM, but you can literally not even pay attention at all. And those large complexes are run pretty well, yeah. uh, pretty professionally. Uh, so fewer operating headaches and less capital invested. We, of course, realize not everybody listening, you know, everybody might think, well, single families, uh, yeah, that does sound great. Uh, but the buy in is basically
2: one five, uh, maybe one three. Um, depends where you're shopping, but yeah, you got to have fairly deep pockets to play in that market.
1: Fairly. It's, it's largely detached
2: from the market. (laughs) (laughs) So if you are looking for an investment property, that's fairly turnkey, something like a one bedroom makes a lot of sense. Right. So let's talk about
1: this market because this is a market where in the downturn of 2018 and early 2019, this market actually performed, I would say, the best, arguably the best out of any, uh, any submarket. I feel like prices basically remained stable uh, in this kind of 500, dollars $600,000 uh, entry point. And we actually had a busy June, right? Mm-hmm. Downtown, we saw sellers' markets basically from 400 to, to 800K uh we, it was it was busy uh west side 400 to 600k was 60% sales ratios like that's an aggressive sellers market the east side wasn't quite as busy as the west side but it was still definitely in sellers market territory like 30% yep. in terms of sales ratio so this
2: market right now is busy and it's busy like just speaking from someone who's got a few buyers right now looking for a one bed it's a challenging market. A lot of stuff is sold. A lot of stuff is is going in multiple offers. And this is a market where we were seeing a ton of pent-up demand between January, well, early in the year and late last year. But one beds were going crazy, right? Multiple yeah. offers on almost everything. Now it's kind of shifted. It's still very busy. But, like, the tier one stuff is really, really moving. Uh, yeah, I feel
1: like it's, uh, it, to use a scientific phrase, it's a little bit more touch and go right now. Yes. <laughs> it's like what, what but it's it's some it's a little bit puzzling uh not there's no rhyme or reason in certain great, cases. great
2: great one beds you know with parking the higher floor good floor plan like they 're selling right yeah, They're those selling. yeah it's, and it's, if they're priced well
1: largely tier one tier two uh, the that analysis i think would hold sure uh so we we 've always liked studios and one beds um in the city of Vancouver, that's for sure. But we like them right now, or potentially right now, uh, for a different reason than the detached market. And what I would say is that this seems to be, uh, unlike the last downturn, a submarket that is potentially vulnerable in mm-hmm. the coming months. Right. Yeah. And it, and again, it's worth noting it's busy right now. What we know is it's busy right now. There's no way at those. Uh, with the activity that's going on right now, that prices are declining in this market. But here's looking forward, uh, here's what we're thinking. Why is it, It, yeah, why is it potentially vulnerable? So here's what I'm thinking in the next six to 12 months, and we've talked about a lot. One is COVID, unfortunately, has hit um, younger people harder, and it's hit people with less job security harder, and it's hit people that make less money harder. Like that's just- Less established in their career. Perhaps. Right. Right. Just, that's just a fact, right? I yep. think that's a well documented fact right now. So, this entry level price point, uh, thinking about job uncertainty, um, there could be people that were hoping to get into this market that are going to hit pause. There are people that are in this market that are maybe feeling the brunt of a changing employment uh, terrain exactly. and, and needing to sell. Now, of course, uh, so basically, we're talking over leveraged end users or homeowners or over-leveraged investors, because there's a lot of investors in this market, people with one or two doors. Um, This is, of course, potentially exacerbated by the end of mortgage deferrals and CERB, right? Mm -hmm. Right now, I think a lot of people um, are doing okay. Because, There's because been some, uh, yeah, Tio Justin stimulus, has uh, has stepped up. <laughs> Tio, Tio <laughs> no, it's uncle that, Justin. That's is a, a, is a Spanish it, for Uncle. Yeah, yeah.
2: Is is that a thing that other people? say? No, I think I just made you. that up. Tio Justin. That that might be a sticker. Just Uncle Tio? Can you? Can you can't you say double. Uncle Tio because it's Uncle Uncle.
1: <laughs> Tio Justin has stepped up. We got the CERB coming right now. We have uh, the ability to defer, defer mortgages. What happens when when this runs out? Uh, which inevitably at some point it runs out, right? Yes. And and what does unemployment look like at that at that point? Uh, I think this is made even more difficult potentially for uh, people that own one beds or studios as investment properties because rent deferral, right? right. Uh, I believe right now, if you're having trouble collecting rent, say on uh, one bedroom that rents at $2,000, uh, the government's stepping up and giving you $500. Well, that's it, not going to, that's yeah.
2: not going to cover, cover. If you're, it. if you're a, like a mom and pop investor and you have like one or two doors and you've actually had issues with collecting rent right now. And maybe now you're covering someone's rent or you're trying to get rid of your tenant and you can't, or you're having complications around that you got to be starting to go the hell with this. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like there's a, uh, there's a certain uh,
1: type of investor out there who uh, a in, novice. A, a no, uh, yeah. Is it novice or novice? Oh, sorry. Novice is the, is the internet company. <laughs> a novice. A novice, <laughs> a novice, but also somebody I think that just doesn't handle st- tell us <laughs> does, doesn't doesn't handle stress particularly well, sure um they might be thinking mutual funds look better at, yeah at, at, at this moment, <laughs> right um, so the uncertain rental conditions for sure, and last but not least, and we've talked about this already, but potential rising maintenance costs, potential rising insurance costs there's a lot of uh things that make this submarket potentially vulnerable over the next couple months. And the only thing I'd note before we move on is that in June, it was busy. I think the July numbers are going to be...
2: I think they're going to be busier because they're they're going to be even busier. Yeah, a lot of stuff is is selling. But to recap your points, you're saying kind of job uncertainty overleveraged end users and investors potentially, the end of mortgage deferrals and CERB, maintenance and insurance costs increasing and and rental condition or uncertainty for landlords, I guess. That's right. That's right. So
1: what does this actually look like? This potentially looks like over the next six to 12 months, a lot of people trying to sell. Yeah. And it potentially looks like a lot fewer buyers, right? That's kind of in terms of prices declining, that is a potential situation here. Okay. Sure. But again- the market is not saying suggesting We're not seeing that, that right, right now, now. We're this not is that this right is pure, a purely speculative exercise sure. so one area that i think is is actually kind of at that level right now last time i checked this was a, a week or two ago is an area that we've talked about on this show quite a bit before and we should just talk about it quickly because the sales ratios uh Overall are, are definitely seller's market territory, but in Northeast Falls Creek now, and when I say Northeast Falls Creek, I mean, I literally drew a map around Crosstown and Chinatown. Okay. Yes. So Crosstown and Chinatown sales for studios and one bedrooms as of a week ago from June 1st to a week ago, and uh, which would be what, June or July 9th or 10th, yeah. there yes, was yeah. four sales of 37 listings. That's an 11% sales so. ratio. That's a buyer's market right now in the last month. It's not performing as well as the market overall, and this is a area of the city that
2: we've that we've talked about liking before and we still very much like. Well, this is it. And it it blows my mind that you can have something so close to the hot areas, like to the areas that are exploding, right? I mean, it blows my mind that Crosstown Right by Chinatown Skytrain Station, still great buildings in that pocket. Super close to Costco, super close to <laughs> close to a lot of great restaurants. Close to Yale, to Yale Town. Close to everywhere is so soft. When the rest of one bedrooms downtown, kind of just a little bit further west, but blocks, blocks west, right? Right, um, uh, are yeah. so busy. This is walk, we're talking like yeah, we're talking a walk, skip, and a jump. Right. So this is this is uh, this is surprising and. Maybe that creates an opportunity because, like we've talked about it extensively on this program, but there's a bright future for Northeast Falls Creek. One is uh, the Northeast Falls Creek plan, and this is everyone. You know, a lot of people out there are going to go, "Well, wait a second. The city—that's the biggest infrastructure project that the city's ever announced—and they're going broke. Okay, well, they're partnered with Development Community. Those viaducts have to come down. They're not structurally sound my right? my understanding of that
1: is yeah if if the if the one hospital downtown is moving outside of downtown, those viaducts are not uh are not the vehicle to get people to the
2: hospital but they're also, especially with an I, earthquake I think that yeah that's the that's it's the right. seismic thing right so they they have to come down and and uh, what I'm thinking and they've already started working on things like you'll notice that prior just got calmed i'm not sure if you've noticed that, yeah. 30 kilometers on prior when <laughs> yeah. you're trying to get home yeah. at six. Yeah, maybe maybe you've noticed it. And the fake cars parked along the side of the street, yeah. did you notice that? I'm actually
1: literally starting to think about taking
2: a bike though, which is exactly what the city wants me exactly, to do. Exactly, exactly. Uh, Northeast Falls Creek, we've talked about it before, but Amazon, 7,000 new employees coming to the area. These are highly educated, walk-to-work type people Young, urban, gainfully employed, and fantastic tenants, right? Because they work all the time. And fantastic (laughs) purchasers of homes. Anyone out there that works for Amazon knows that you get no time off. (laughs) No offense, Amazon. Uh, (laughs) St. Paul's Hospital. We're talking about now the southeast point of Northeast Falls Creek. We are going to see anchored by a huge state-of-the-art hospital facility Um, Everyone knows where it is. It's right by the train station. 2026, I think. This is going to take the area from 8,000 jobs to 30,000 jobs over the next 30 years. It's going to create a hospital ecosystem. Look at like VGH and Fairview, for example. Look at how many cafes, restaurants, exciting things over there that support a labor force of healthcare workers. And guess what? Those healthcare workers, they make great incomes. They're fantastic tenants. They work a lot. And they, want, and to work, and and they want to be close to home. And they're, and they're, and they're and heroes. And they're heroes. But here's the, yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, they're heroes, but they also want to be very close to work because a lot of them are on call. Like, let's be honest. Like, they have to get to work in a short period of time. We've helped a ton of doctors and doctors, especially ER doctors, you know, they, they need to be close to work and they, they can't have a huge commute time because sometimes they just have to get there. Yeah, because they're there. Yeah. yeah. They work a lot. Yeah. Wearing their scrubs. And last but not least, Matt, I, this one's like a little bit of a throwaway, but I'm just going to highlight it anyways. Broadway subway line, specifically the Great Northern Way track, is going to anchor this community as well. Make it super walkable to get kind of to the east-west corridor of the new Broadway subway line. Right. And this is exciting because now, you know, somebody living in, say, Chinatown can walk a few blocks, hop on a SkyTrain, head to Commercial Drive in like no time, or eventually, well, currently head to Arbutus once it's built and eventually probably head out to UBC. So that is another reason, like we always highlight transportation. This is also bringing a ton of jobs to the, to Vancouver as well. Um, It's unbelievable how extensive these projects are and how it can basically be an infrastructure project that, that, uh, you know, you think a hospital can create jobs. Anyways, it's going to be a huge, huge opportunity for people that own in this area as well and and we've highlighted on previous episodes you know what it means for areas like uh Grandview Woodlands being close to the um, to the terminus and also for Fairview Slopes like the actual true connector line at Cambie and Broadway right, right close to City Hall um so to recap what we've kind of highlighted here one is to bet on cities two is detached is blue chip real estate really um, and three, that there still are opportunities in studios and one beds, specifically in Northeast Falls Creek.
1: Right. That, that is the, if, if somebody was to ask me where the opportunities potentially lie, that is exactly where. And that's a submarket to watch over the next six to 12 months, I would say, uh, more so than anything else. It will be interesting for sure. So maybe, Adam, as a final note, we should timestamp this. Yeah, we will so, it, so we don't look silly in 3 days. Yeah, uh it, this it, is this is we're mid July. Yeah, we're mid July 2020. Things 9:22 a.m. Things are changing uh <laughs> especially this year every 24 hours it feels like uh we're something's entirely different. So, uh, all the caveats aside, um hopefully everyone enjoyed that and we'll catch you on the outro.
2: Yeah, and if anyone uh really I mean the the thing is is that we're updating this show on a weekly basis. So if there's anything that changes, you're going to hear it here first anyway. Vancouver Real Estate Podcast. Yeah. See you on the outro. (laughs) Well, thanks everybody for listening. If you want to get in touch, head over to Vancouver Real Estate We've got fantastic resources like private client services. Because if you're not using PCS to search for real estate in Vancouver, you are standing still while the rest of us power walk by. You get sold prices, days on market. You basically get realtor level information at your fingertips. It's free, it's available at our site, Vancouver Real Estate We also have some of the best resources over there, including the Sellers Club, where you get the best selling resources for the market and it's continuous. It's, it's the best list out there. Sign up for the Sellers Club. And last but not least, the Livewire, where we're sending out stats and information about the market all the time, including episode updates. So thanks a lot for listening. And if you want to get in touch, it's 778-866-4574 or adam at com. Have a great week, everyone.